This is a recording made in the chapel of the open book and it is a part of a series entitled The Finished Work. After a little period of absence owing to having to be taken to hospital, I'm glad to be back again in some measure of fitness. Uh, but uh, like the Apostle Paul said in another context, I'm not yet already perfect. Now, last time we met together, I drew attention to the fact that the Acts of the Apostles divides itself into three parts by the presence of one word, the word sent. Peter said to certain companies, you are the children of the prophets, and to you this was sent first. Then Paul, midway, stood up in the synagogue at Antioch and said, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, that was not merely Israel only, but this was the Jew and the Gentile together, to you is the word of this salvation sent. Then in the last chapter, Israel go out into their present blindness, and the salvation of God is sent to the Gentiles. Now this is not a mere accident. The Bible was not a book that God wrote, and they're playing about for you and me to pick up casually. It is a bound volume of messages sent by God to a special people with regard to a special aspect of his purpose, and if we blend them, we do so to our own undoing. Well, now that brings us, in this series, to the fact that the Apostle Paul is the only man in the New Testament who is called the Apostle of the Gentiles. And it doesn't need deep spirituality to say, if I am a Gentile, and God set apart one man to be the messenger of the Gentile, I ought to listen to what he says. I don't think there's very much to be argued about that. And as our time is limited, I turn to what may be the first epistle he wrote. I'm not going to spend your time with archaeology and topography but if you want to get the reasons why Galatians comes first in the list, you will find it set out in the book which we have published for many years, The Apostle of the Reconciliation. It starts with a challenge. There's no other epistle starts like this. Paul an apostle. Well, he said the other epistles start like, oh yes, but he never says, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. That's a challenge, isn't it? And Paul's apostleship was challenged. He was not one of the twelve. He said so himself. He was one born out of due time. He said he was not worthy to be called an apostle. And yet he was not one whit behind the chiefest of them. What is the meaning of a word apostle? If we take it to pieces, we find the word apo, which means away from, and stello, which means to send. It is a person sent from another to represent him like an ambassador. And the chiefest of the apostles is, wait for it, some people said Paul, because they think that would please me, and some say Peter, because that pleases somebody else, and you're both wrong. The apostle writing to the epistle to the Hebrews said, consider him the apostle and high priest of our profession. Did you know Christ was an apostle? Christ is the apostle. 
He was sent, wasn't he? Have you noticed how much the word send comes in John's Gospel? Have you noticed that even John sees the opportunity to say that the pool of Siloam, which by interpretation means sent, have you noticed in John 17 the great prayer that the world may know and the world may believe that thou hast sent me? Will it dawn upon me and you at last that we have no claims upon God? We can't sit down and devise a scheme of salvation if he doesn't send one within our misery forever. Have you thought that right back in the book of Job, when you lie, you broke silence and told Job the plan of God's redemption, the first thing he says, if there be a messenger with him, one among a thousand, a messenger. But what is the word evangel? An angel means a messenger. And this is a good message. And it has to be sent by God. And God sends it to a people. He doesn't send it indiscriminately. When James wrote his epistle to the twelve tribes that were scattered abroad and greeted them, it didn't come back and said, not known, ten of them are lost. People tell you they are, but James didn't seem to know anything about it. And Paul said, unto which our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. So there's two of them. You notice this Paul and Apostle. Not, neither, but. Then he goes on to speak about the messenger and his message. Verse 8. But though we are an angel, see the word angel is a messenger, from heaven, preach any other message, that's the gospel, unto you, than that which is we have preached unto you, let it be anathema. So whatever you do, friends, if you want to be on the right side, see that the gospel you preach is not the gospel of the kingdom, which they could preach without ever knowing Christ to be crucified. Look at Matthew 10, Matthew 16 for that. It's the gospel of justification by faith without works of law, a gospel of grace through the finished work of Christ. Then he goes on to say, in verse 11, not, neither, and but, again. Will you notice this chart? I'm not attempting to give all the analysis, but you see, under the letter A, each time, we have the apostleship. Not of men, not of a man, but through Jesus Christ. Now we come down to the gospel. This man is of no value to us if he hasn't got a message from God as an apostle. But he has a message. And he tells you that just as his apostleship was absolutely independent of all men, so is the gospel that he preached. But I certify you, brethren, verse 11, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, but I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it. We are told that this man, as a young, younger person, he sat at the feet of a very great rabbi, Gamaliel. He tells you presently that he exceeded even those who were his elders in his zeal for the traditions of his fathers. He said, can you imagine a Pharisee of the Pharisees and a Hebrew of the Hebrews sitting down and inventing the gospel of free grace to the outside Gentiles? whom they called at the moment dogs. He said, no. 
I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it. Well, how did you get it then, Paul? I received it by revelation of Jesus Christ. He didn't search to find it. For no man by searching can find out God other perfection. It was given to him by revelation. That's the second step. Now, not neither in but comes once more. I hope you'll realise that this is not a fantastic alliteration. This is embedded in this chapter. He says it three times over, not neither in but. And if you've got those, you're independent of the opinions of all people. You've got his own analysis. Now let's look at that then. He leads up to it. Verse 13. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past, in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. That's the man to whom God entrusted salvation by grace through faith, not of works. And profited in the Jews' religion above many by equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of their fathers. See, the more he piles that up, the more it's impossible to believe that the gospel of the grace of God was an invention of Paul. So whatever you do, don't call it Pauline. But he'll challenge you. He says, who then is Paul? Well, you crucified. Was Paul crucified for you? Well, you're baptized in the name of Paul. He said, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Earthen vessels. But what a vessel, Lord. What one to, to say, if only we could reach halfway to the standard of this man's faithful service. But that's another question. A zealot for the tradition of his fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated thee, this word separated follows the Apostle Paul in the church at Antioch. Separate thee Barnabas and Saul, said the Holy Spirit. Romans, the first chapter. Paul, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. But he said, now I see that he separated thee before I was born. And for years I never knew it. He did. And he hedged my way this path this way and that way until the moment came when I looked up to that blaze of glory and I said, Lord, who art thou that I'm persecuting? And the voice said, I am Jesus. That's the finish of Saul of Tarsus. And that's the beginning of Paul, the apostle. So he said, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal, here it comes again, to reveal. He never went back to the school of the rabbi. He had a revelation from God, an unshakable revelation, that through persecution and suffering beyond dreams, he held the course until his own prayer was fulfilled. He said, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth a crown. 
So he says here, to reveal his son in thee, that I may preach something about him. Oh, you know, no, no, that isn't what he said. That I might preach him. You see, if we're not careful, we so value the principle of right division. We so realise the need to distinguish dispensations and dispensational truth that we want to remind ourselves occasionally that right division didn't die for us and dispensational truth never was raised from the dead on our account. Right division is of value to us because it brings us the Christ of God in relation to our need and calling in harmony with God's purpose before the world began. It's Christ that matters all the time. So he said, that I may preach him, not merely about him. Because, you see, by the time you preach Christ, the anointed, prophet, priest, king, head of the church, sacrifice for sin, justifier, sanctifier, one mediator, and all to do with his second coming. There's not much of the Bible left, is there? That I may preach him among the heathen. And of course, you know the word heathen is the word translated Gentile and the word translated nations, all in the same epistle. You are the heathen. Oh, so am I, of course. And he is an apostle to the heathen, whatever the colour of our skin may be. And because the apostle Paul has been relegated to the background, we're in the mess we are in today. For when God sends a message, and it's diluted or turned aside or mixed up, then there must be disaster. And a part of our work is try to sift out the chaff from the wheat. And it takes up a tremendous time. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Now notice the next word, immediately. You know, one of the troubles with some of us is we see the truth and instead of immediately bowing in the presence of God we go up and look Young's Concordance to see if we can find a verse that says something opposite. Because just the same as this man we are gripped by the traditions in which we've been brought up and it upsets us. But thanks be to God this, this man had seen something in the face of Jesus Christ that enabled him immediately now what did he say? I conferred not, neither, but. Some time ago when I was away on holiday, a lady challenged me. She says, you're not an ordained man. I said, that means to say Peter and all that lot haven't put their hands on me. I said, if the King James Version hadn't been under the eye of King James, they would have said a certain household had ordained themselves to the ministry, but they dared not do it. They said, addicted. I ordain myself in the presence of the living God because there was laid upon me a charge and I asked nobody's opinion and was ready to pay the price for it. It's the only ordination we know. This man, instead of going up to Jerusalem and saying, allow me to be an odd man in your little group of twelve, he turned his back on them. He went into Arabia. Let's see what he says. Neither went up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before thee, but... I went into Arabia. He said, three years, I went up to Jerusalem, 
And the word see here means to pay a friendly visit. He never went up to get any confirmation from Peter. It was natural that one apostle should like to have a fortnight's holiday with another apostle. But he said, other apostles saw I none. Say James the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you behold before God. Now this is something extraordinary. I lie not. You know, when, when I speak with ordinary people, and they say to me, now this is, this is without the word of a lie, I say thank you. Because I wouldn't have to say that to anybody, I hope. But when the apostle says, I lie not, he says it again in First Timothy. I am an apostle, a teacher, and a preacher of the Gentiles, I lie not. Because it was always challenged, and it's challenged to this day. It may be challenged even in this place. But the apostle stood square. That he was an apostle not of men. The gospel was not given to him by man. And the ordination came from no man. It came from Christ himself. Beginning, middle and end. And the last verse, the last two verses, as far as we can get today. But they heard only. See, what is it, 15... um, Where's that verse where he says, so many years have passed? Oh, um, unknown to my faith. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. That's the man that God sent to you and to me. Now it's an extraordinary thing that this epistle was out to rescue a little company of God's people from an entanglement with circumcision and adding things and obeying the law and half-hearted justification. And yet the man who wrote this epistle never said a word about it. He opens with his apostleship. Because that is of extreme importance, the messenger. And when we look next time, as I hope we will, at the second chapter, he's on the subject again from another angle before he gets to the word justify. So I'll leave it there. And pray that you may take these words as they come from the book and see how far you can range yourself in harmony with their challenge.